Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This is Stephen St. Clair. And Sadie K. Frazier. I'm from the Crafted Quill Podcast. And the Daily Escape Podcast. Well, Sadie, we're here on a special 4th of July Have Coffee, Will Travel. But there's a special reason why that we'll get to in a minute. I'm curious to know why you've been gone so long. Is it any of your business? It might be. We're married. <laughs> Well, you've been gone with me, so that's I guess true. that's what matters. So what, do you, what have you been up to? Why, oh, why have you not been podcasting? Well, I'm trying to think the last one we did. We were off <laughs> doing ones for this summer. Sorry, everybody. We had a brief interruption. We had uh, some fur babies that needed let outside. <laughs> the, the we jo- made it like 46, 46 seconds this time before dogs interrupted. The joys of having pets and podcasting. That's right. So, Sadie, you were telling about what you've been up to? No, I was trying to decide when we did the last podcast. I think your brother and Mm sister-in-law podcast. Is that February? Probably. Wow. No, we didn't go down in February. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Like at least three months. Yep. So, what, what have you been up to? You, what have you been up to? A whole lot. You got some good stuff. Have we done a podcast since I finished? I think we did. I finished Fragments of Hope in maybe April and mm-hmm. had that one out by the end of April. I think we so, talked about it a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I did, and you finished Side of Love mm-hmm. about the same time, shortly after that. It came out Feb 7th. Yeah. So. But what is the... You got something... You you were sitting on something good for a while, weren't you? Probably almost, what, two years? Yeah. I've been working on, so it started off as bring the story inside your heart to life, and then it transformed into like a mini workshop, which was how to have, how to write your first or 20th novel without having a panic attack, I think was the name of it, which never quite came to fruition. There was a whole lot more that I wanted to talk about. None of the pieces were coming together, so I just kind of set it aside for a while, and then... I don't know, you and I talked a lot about what I wanted to do now that I'm in my 50s and things like that. And I'm like, there's got to be more to that, more to life than just this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I love writing books too, but I've always felt called to help others in some way. And I think that's why I got my MA degree first and became a nurse and psychology degree. And it's just kind of formulated from there. But um, you and I started talking about things because I mean we're like seven years into being an author and people ask us all the time how did you guys get started Mm -hmm. like what do you what does it take to get started so I decided I wanted to start kind of helping others put their story together but it's a lot deeper than that well and also being an author it's it's easier than you think but it's also harder than you think because there's there's a lot of little things that people have to go through that they don't even think of no and it's not it's not as not as simple as sitting down at your computer or a typewriter or a pen and paper and just it, it kind of depends on the avenue you want to go to yeah. there's there's people i've heard over the years they just they simply do wattpad or but in our case we actually uh, we published through amazon kdp yeah. and well we had traditional self we did do traditional, traditional publishing first and that was that was what launched us into it i had an in i had a friend of mine i've known for probably close to 30 years that we reconnected She's an author. I, you know, one thing led to another. Here we are, seven years later. 
I think total we have, what, 16, 17 books out now? Yeah. Plus or minus. Yep. And it's not a hard process, but you have to be methodical. You have to be very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to... You, there's a, you, you represent yourself, basically, yeah. and you don't want to just put garbage out. We've seen a lot of garbage. You used to edit for our former publisher, mm -hmm. and there was one particular book you were uh, proofing and it was over 500 pages and it was all about these people stuck in a cave on a planet it, yeah it was like 500, 500 pages, pages of that. of just one basically one scene and the conversations that happen for days as they're inside a cave now and i'm sure that author probably thought and as we all do as we all all of us authors do in our heads probably or outside head conversation we'll probably think man this is this is the best thing i've ever written is it though you have to ask those questions and that's where having beta readers comes into play you know we watched um the second christmas story um last november where the main character wrote a 2000 page sci-fi novel and the publisher he was pushing it out to was like no one wants to read 2000 pages of science fiction mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, and even with this, we can get into that in a little bit, but you have to completely, like, every word you say is not necessarily important to tell to somebody else. No. There's always ways to reduce and, you know, I mean, it's... And still be, be an effective storyteller. Yeah. You know, as I say, pretend you're blind walking through a forest. Yeah. That's kind of been my mantra over the years of telling a story, like... In my first Kindred Souls book, it's a Scottish historical, and it flips. It also flips between modern and historical eras, but the historical part, the scene opens up. It's it's late night in a Scottish harbor town. The ships in port are rocking back and forth. I'm pretty sure you could be a sighted person or a blind person and and see that. Mm. You know the bell, harbor bells ringing, the the slow murmur of taverns. You know, people coming and going. It's just stuff like that. That's that's that is the art of storytelling, whether it be fiction or nonfiction. It's painting a picture, giving the details, and by the and keeping your reader hooked, every single line, every single page. Yeah. So, where this is where you're at now. You you wrote some stuff that is yep. geared to helping people. Well, I, like I said, we, we have people come to us and ask us, how do I write my story? But it's not just, how do I write a fiction book? We have people with stories of trauma and grief and illness and abuse and terminal illness and all kinds of things. But they wanted to know how they get started. What are some of the things we do that have helped along the way? Or what can they avoid? So we started talking about it. And I kept saying, I think there's something more I'm supposed to do with this. And then now insert a librarian named Marlis from our local author fair, probably, I was that, two, two years ago, yeah. and wanted to know if I wanted to work with veterans and PTSD and things like that in writing their story. And I said yes, but, you know, it's one of those, keep me posted, let me know. And whoever she was working with kind of dropped the ball mm. at Iowa Western. So it never kind of happened. So you and I had this profound conversation one night 
about what would it look like if I actually did start helping other people? What resources do I have? Who would I reach out to? All that kind of stuff. I kid you not, the very next morning, we get an email from Marlis asking me if I would like to come speak at the library. And I am big on talking about people rediscovering their voice, finding their voice, through, especially through trauma, and learning how to find your voice and then, you know, seek your truth, all that kind of stuff. Stand up for yourself in your writing and rewriting the story. So Marlis emails me and asks me, um, they have a summer program coming out, summer reading program, on the theme of finding your voice and how our voices have power. Would I like to be a part of it? Uh, hello? Talk about, <laughs> talk about higher power there. Yeah. So that's where this all started. And then, I, I, like I said, I'd already started the workshop, so I kind of started revamping it. And something told me to stop where I was at and write the book first. Never thinking... I mean, someday I wanted to write that book, but I never thought about it like before the workshop yeah. which ended up helping me and that is actually when the whole program came together now you had already been messing with some stuff years ago and had yeah. had a whole youtube thing going right or you were publishing a course that kind of yeah. came to a dead stop didn't it yep. <clears throat> through some a couple circumstances Just all kinds of circumstances it felt like it never was the right time i didn't have enough time to work on it even when I did, there was roadblocks all over the place. Well, now I can see why it was never meant to come out then and why it was meant to come out now. It was all in conjunction with this uh, library event that I just did. So the book I ended up writing was Things I Wish I Knew Before I Wrote the Book. And that's actually the name of the course also for right now. This volume one is on getting started writing your story. Volume 2 I'm working on right now is more on the editing and publishing aspects, which is going to be only for writers that have already published their book and they're ready to start because I can't imagine that one's going to be like earth-shatteringly interesting. <laughs> it's going to be very detail-oriented on, on the, you know... It's a heartfelt how-to guide, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's necessary. I mean, it's we've run across so many issues. Even with this book that came out, I went to upload it to KDP had all kinds of issues with it as far as formatting my author copies that I ordered I had to order before I got the proof my proof copy came completely jacked up completely not formatted correctly and then um, what else was it? oh and then I got the box of the author copies in the mm -hmm. mail Amazon dumped it off at our front door with the box wide open there was literally tire tracks and grass stains all over the copies of the book so I could have let that defeat me. I could have said, and almost did. <laughs> I was like, is this a sign that I'm not supposed to be doing this? Maybe I'm just stubborn enough to think that maybe that was the sign I needed to know how important it was and that I was meant to continue. So that was my bonus life lesson and all that. But anyway, and then uh, volume three, I'm also working out. Basically, when you only have an hour and a half to talk, I had to take most of my trauma stuff out of the workshop that I just did. But my full course, my full workshop, and the book all includes stuff on somatic writing, trauma recovery, to write your story, and things like that, which is where my heart is. Now, you said a word I don't even think I remember. What's somatic? Somatic. I can probably pull it up. Somatic is more writing from the heart, like writing a memoir. Gotcha. So they use somatic writing in therapy now to write your trauma. 
a lot of people use, just like Marlis was talking about with the PTSD patients, maybe you bring out a can of spam, which signifies back in the war. Yeah, right, you know, MREs. Yeah. Um, whatever it is, you can bring pictures of jet, jet fighter planes and, you know, either Korea or Vietnam or whatever, and then have them sit and write about their trauma. So it's things that, that inspire you, but it it's kind of like that darkness the shadow writing is what they call it you have to get to the shadow writing and your shadow self which is the dark parts of your trauma in order to move forward and then eventually rewrite your story into recovery yeah. so and i go way more into it in the book but in volume three it's more on the topics of trauma abuse addiction grief and it's teaching people how to evoke a more intimate and personal storyline of reco recovery and turn it into that memoir as you rewrite the story of your life. So I will be working and finishing those two. I'm also a writing coach, so I'm going to start offering more intensive sessions depending on their needs as an author too. So just kind of pulling all that together I'm, through In Pursuit of Purpose. Based on my previous manuscripts, I probably need your intensive also. <laughs> you need my intensive purpose. <laughs> I do. I, um, now let's talk about you um, you had to pull together a lot of ideas from all over the place mm -hmm. for this. Did you have any particular influences that kind of led you down one path or the other when writing course and book? I don't think at first I did. It was more like just my need and my wanting to help others, feeling called to help others. After I started listening to podcasts last year, after I feel like all of my trauma kind of re... Mm -hmm. <laughs> what's the word? Resurfaced. Resurfaced over probably fall, winter, spring especially but i started listening to podcasts to kind of get my head out of that negative headspace i was in so mel robbins has been a huge influence in knowing what she does to help other people knowing that she's a mess sometimes you don't have to be perfect in fact one of the things i put in the book too is um like i'm better equipped to help the person i used to be than who i am now so how better to reach back into the past and help the people that are broken to get to where I am today. And then you don't have to be perfect to do this. That's what held me back is I would tell you, what business do I have to do this? I'm not perfect. I'm still hurting. I think I'm doing great. I move forward by months, sometimes years, and then all of a sudden I'm back in the past again. So I've just finally decided that that's the person I need to help. I didn't have anybody to take me by the hand and drag me out of that darkness, so who better to do that than somebody who, who can live and breathe that every day and reach in and help them along their way. Now when you're, um, let's say you were a person wanting to write your story, or a story, let's say you were new into the, um, you and I ran across a nice little gem last Christmas called The Child. Yep. He had such an impactful message about how to write mm -hmm. that you and I went back over our current book we were working on. We had to, we had to reevaluate, didn't we? We had yep. to literally start over and reevaluate the first chapter, opening paragraph. Fragments of hope. I changed the whole thing. You changed perspectives. I 
started writing it in first person point of view and I felt like I was supposed to do that. And then somewhere along the line, my old traditional publisher's voices were in my head saying, but wait, if you write it in first person, you can't share the perspective of other people because they have no way of knowing what that person's perspective is if you don't use third person point of view and switch back and forth. So I changed it all to third person so that I could incorporate all that. After listening to Lee Child and understanding that that's where those kind of stories are meant to come from. There's all kinds of different ways to pull in other characters and get their points of view and they're like you could assume how they feel or, or watch their voice or their body language change and you can incorporate all that too to describe the scene. So I had to start over when I was, what, 75% done, mm-hmm. and I went back and rewrote the whole thing in yeah. first person uh-huh. as I had originally done. I remember we were <laughs> sitting in the office, and you were just sitting there, and I asked you, are you okay? And you're like, I really want to start over and mm-hmm. switch this to third per- first person. I'm like, if you feel that it tells the story better than what you have now, yep. go for it. Now I can't see it any other way. There's, that's, yeah, there's, that's how it was it, meant to be. It definitely shows the internal conflict yeah. of your character. But like you said, the the external side, your characters don't know what your your main characters thinking or doing. So you have to make up for that right. by sometimes over-explaining, over-thinking and feeling. It's very true. And which kind of leads back to the being blind walking through a forest. Mm-hmm. If you're writing first person, that's the perfect mantra to use for writing. Use all of your senses and write a sensual journey. Take them through a journey using only your senses. So let's let's talk about your book for a minute specifically. Okay. What's what's the title? Things I wish I knew before I wrote the book. Tell me. Tell me. It's it's actually a comprehensive survival guide to crafting an unforgettable narrative for aspiring authors like you. Volume one, right? Yep. This is volume one. So tell tell us, Sadie, what's something you wish you would have known? from the get-go that you know now it's a whole lot of things i mean i think to to enjoy the process for one thing you and i learned along the way at first it was i don't know i feel like the very first book we did there was no pressure there as far as it was just like hey we both love to write we should just write this and throw it out here we didn't have anything at stake it was like let's just throw this out there and see if it sticks and it did we both got accepted by the publisher and uh, we were on cloud nine. So then with the second book, then it's like, how far can I push myself? Instead of just taking it step by step and writing a little bit more and practicing. Like for me, I went full blown into an epic fantasy novel after that. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you, you what are you doing? Straight into the bubbling pot. And my first one was a steampunk horror novel. So, or a short story. So why would I start with that when it was nothing I even knew about? But it was that imagination that I was trying to free and let wild. Uh, I think mine, what really... I also think... Let me, I, my brain split in two there for a minute. Um, the books we came out with kind of had to be our first ones. Yeah. Like my very first one started out as a short story, uh, Tales from the Wondrous Attic. It involves like our two daughters as the main characters... Uh, I won't go into details about it, but that that book was my was my first real once once it once Sadie and I split off to do our own publishing for reasons we'll tell you later. 
um, I had an opportunity to go back through Tails and Sadie designed a fantastic cover. Um, my That book actually was not long enough for print. Yeah. So I had to go back and read line by line. Okay, I have to have this over a hundred pages now for anybody to be able to order this in paperback. Yep. So there's that too, but there was something to be said about um, self-pubbing or going through a publisher, and you have darn near complete control mm-hmm. over self-pubbing. On the other hand, you're doing it on your own. Yeah. So there's benefits to both. I just told you a couple nights ago, I missed the feeling of having a traditional publisher where there's people to communicate with. And there's other people responsible for the editing process also. Like for me, that pressure re- falls on me entirely. And it gets to be a little much sometimes when we both have stuff coming out, when I'm trying to work on the course and all that. I don't, I'm not a half-asser. <laughs> I don't want to just do things halfway. So... I want a perfect product out, or at least as perfect as we can get. Now, I know I'm not going to be able to catch everything. I absolutely That's, know that. Nobody can. I've, I've found other authors, that I've been reading it, miss stuff, and I'm like, yeah. I don't think that's supposed to be. And I reached out to them and said, hey, I found a mistake, and as an author myself, I would want to be told that. But even with our traditional publisher, they spelled the name of your book and your name wrong yeah, on one of your books after you'd had six or seven books out. So... There's something to be said on their end too about giving a crap about what they're doing. Yeah. Not not just in that case they might have just you know And I think they did overall. There was one particular person who's no longer there that really ruined it for everybody. Ruined it for everybody and, and put a bad taste in our mouth and I think I think they're they're good for what they do. I, yeah. I think they do care overall. They're they're a good stepping stone. Yeah. Probably more so now that that other person isn't there. Yeah. But we look back now, and we're way more successful, mm-hmm. even though sometimes we have... Like right now, I uh, my newest book, The Sight of Love, came out in February. Do you think that I've um, advertised it hardly ever? No. That That is honestly one of my biggest downfalls is self-promoting. And it's yeah. not that I don't want to, it's just that... A, I don't think about it. If, if this is my side gig, I would. I, I need to be more regimented. More, okay. Tuesdays is this day. Wednesday is that day. But also at the same time, we don't have a big publishing house budget. We have. Yeah. We have very little budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but that, I don't think it all. You know, it takes a lot of money to do that kind of stuff. It does take time and patience and to have a routine that you stick to yep. at all costs. And we used to, but we don't now with so many other things going on. Yeah, and now it's, we rely on the author fairs, the word of mouth. Yep. Like I, a few people I've known in the, my, my work know that I'm an author. Like, hey, when, when's your new book coming out? And blah, blah, blah. Like, it's coming out here. Okay, I'll get it. And sure enough, they get it. We've got, you know, I've got an intern that I'm, I'm in charge of at work that, you know, getting to know her and vice versa a little bit. She's like, hey, I bought your book. And I'm like, sweet. When you get it, bring it in, I'll sign it for you. That's just one of those things, too, that's like, it was an unintentional conversation that led to an intentional yeah. purchase. And that's kind of the downside about telling people that you know, because then 
they get to see a little bit inside your your mind whether it's you a lot of people don't write for that reason because no. they're afraid of what other people that they work with or their friends and family might think. It, it's like I don't want you to know me that way. Yeah. Like when my my boss found out through another person, I was like, he was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, I really didn't want you to know. That's mm-hmm. a personal side of, which is why I have the pen name I have. And honestly, if you'd have to know, like my pen name is Stephen St. Clair. Both of those are or were or are my current or previous name mm-hmm. and in some connection or another there are other people that like uh jd rob is also who's jd um your you yes. like her anyway there, yeah Nora Roberts. there there are authors that you wouldn't even guess in a million years their real name mm-hmm. from their pen name i tied my pen name back to my birth name and my current last name but the european spelling yeah that's just how i roll and i've since we've been authors well our our traditional publisher also i think everybody there used pen names Mm -hmm. so we just went with that too because i thought that was such a cool idea and that's where sadie was born but this was the first speaking engagement that i've done where they announced me as my real name as chris sinclair and i was like Whoa, wait You're a minute. I didn't that. say that. I want to do all of this under Sadie, but... Legal-wise, you, know, you had... You, you had yeah, legal-wise to get paid and things like that and start doing speaking gigs and whatever else I want to do. I have to put my real name on there, which is fine, but I didn't expect her to advertise under my real name. And then when I got there, my slides say Sadie K. Frazier, and one lady was even like, yeah, you want to back up a slide? Because I saw that there was a different name, so I was able to share the story of my pen name, but, you know... Yeah. Takes some getting used to. So, you have some things that were mentioned at your speaking engagement. Yep. Um, that could potentially come up. Where Where do you see your stuff going down the road? Where would you like to do beyond with it? That. What's big picture, as Simon Cowell would say from AGT? Way beyond the Council of Public Library. <laughs> But that might be how it opens doors, too. But I'm not going to wait for those doors to open. I'm going I'm to open them myself and climb out the windows and onto the roof. You so. literally have to be your own door-to-door. Yep. So she mentioned the, the vet working with veterans and PTSD before and things like that. But I don't want to keep that small. I don't want to just talk to a, few, a handful of Council Bluffs veterans that have had one experience because they all went to war together and came home and they still live in the same small town. I want to reach way beyond that. Let's let's talk like Here's veterans, veterans administration type stuff, and all yeah. over the country. But helping them write their story, their stories of trauma. Some of them, the bad thing about that is that some of them have not recovered yet. So you start bringing up some of those stories, and you're going to have full blown PTSD episodes yeah, gotta, right there. You so. got to have probably I would imagine someone on hand that is trained how to deal with because yeah. you don't you don't know their their reaction. No. They have a violent reaction. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like those veterans that um, hear a, uh, a car backfire or yeah. fireworks that triggers a battlefield experience, and then they're on the ground, duck and covering, yeah. or thinking Which I'm sure you're this the time bad guy. Right now, Fourth of July. I saw that on the fa- Facebook the other day. Yeah. About it's not just animals that have PTSD moments. You know. This person right here has some when it's loud noises like that, and it's not nearly as what <laughs> as yeah. much as what they've gone through. So, 
Um, but also I saw, so now I'm, I'm looking at older people that I never even thought about. I go to the author event and there's a lady sitting there that says, hey, I've written, you know, journals, journal upon journal and memoirs of my grandma that I want to share so I can share this with my grandkids someday. And another lady that showed up because she said her, her son's taken like two years off. Yeah, He's taken a two year sabbatical to write his story and well, write a book and his wife's going to, you know, do all the working so he can do that. She told me afterwards that she came ready to take notes and fill in for him because he couldn't be there and he planned to be there and couldn't come. So she came instead. However, I inspired her to start writing again and to write her own story. And that's what my goal was. Mm -hmm. And then even the librarian, she said she's kept journals since she was a young teenager. She's got boxes and boxes of journals that she wants to put together to write a story. Well, mm. then do it. I would that's liken that I'm, to uh, ripples in a, in a lake. Yep. You, you, your testimony, your, your story was the stone thrown in the water that created ripples. And in those ripples were little tiny sailing boats that were affected, and now they're going to create their own ripples. And you do realize that almost the very last slide of my presentation says just that, don't you? Nope. <laughs> I gotta find it here. So keep talking about the ripples, and I will find. Oh, I found it. No. Okay. So one of the very last slides in my presentation is a quote from Mother Teresa and it says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. <laughs> so little did you know. I did not, I had not seen that. I, I started out being your dry run, but you, you had a slight meltdown when we were doing it the night before. I did. And then fun, funny story, this is an advantage, disadvantage of having your spouse as your writing partner. Um, I wasn't sure where what my role was in your event that night. Mm -hmm. I just expected at first. I thought, well, maybe I'll record video, record it for you, you know, for future use. And then um, doing the dry run the night before, I just I was going to be the audience member. You were going to talk to me, and then you looked up at me and I smiled, and you're like, you just bust out laughing. You're like, yeah, you can't be in the room. No, I wasn't laughing. I tried to say you, something serious and ended up crying, and then you kind of you kind of laughed for a second, but then you yeah. you broke down. And I yeah. think it was decided then it would just be easier if I wasn't in the room. And it wasn't any uh, offense, and I didn't take any offense to it. I want you to succeed, and if your succession means me not being in the room, so you could focus. Yeah, because I still I to, to this do it on my own. I still to this day. See you as this angel sent to earth with this halo surrounding why, you. And but that's why I'm I needed just like, you to be out of oh, the room. She's so beautiful. <laughs> so I got sent out and I sat on the far side of the library. You got cast aside. I was down sulking there. and spent two hours on Instagram uh -huh. listening to library sounds. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what do we got? We're kind of doing this off the cuff. Well, we were just talking about the, the ripple effect. I mean, it's. It started a whole lot of other things. By the time the library event was over, Marlis came back up and asked for, you know, maybe we want to put you on the payroll. Maybe we want to want to do another lady asked for like a writers group where we actually sit down. And that one of the problems, coffee talk. I would love that. But one of the problems that I had with this workshop is because of how the TV and the computer were connected, the table was literally clear against a wall, 
underneath the TV, and the tables where they sat were at least how many twenty feet away from me, clear to the back. That's yeah. not personal. I'm stuck clear up at the front of the table. They're way across from me. I would much rather be like face to face with you. I don't want to speak at you or preach to you. I want to sit down and I want to help you physically. Take. I gave them all journals and pens, and what we was did that an reaction? exercise like, I never did together. Ask you they about loved that. it. They absolutely loved it, and they ended up pulling out their pen and paper, and they wrote their first... Uh, we did a little exercise where you, we did a writing prompt, and then I told them to write the first line of their book, and then we all read them out loud. And then at the end, or on the second part of that, it was, okay, now think about your story for a minute, where you want to take it. Now with that same writing prompt, write the very last line of your book, and everybody read them out loud. That was my favorite part of the workshop. But it was more personal. And if I would have had my choice, I would have done... So, in hindsight now, I won't talk at them so much the next time I talk. We're going to do more interactive things. That's how I wanted it to be all along. But when you do this for the first time, you don't really know their reaction. I I didn't know the age group. I didn't even know how many people had signed up. Originally, it was supposed to be, you know, I don't care if there's a whole room full of people. It doesn't make me any more nervous if there's 50 people or 4 people. I just... You know, I want to be able to share my story, and that goes back to, like, what do I want to share? My stuff that I want to share is all trauma-related. Well, I read the room as soon as I got there. I I said a few things, and I'm like, nope, let's skip ahead about 20 pages, because they literally want to know how to write their book. But then, as I'm telling the rest of the story, even though I didn't put that stuff in, it all came full circle. One lady came up to me afterwards with tears in her eyes and said, you've inspired me to write my daughter's story. I'm assuming her daughter is no longer alive from her reaction. I don't know what her story was, but even in leaving my stuff out, I shared my heart, I shared enough personal stuff that I touched the people that were meant to be touched. So, and that's my goal all along. Mm-hmm. I want to create you that. You like your purpose. Cast that stone and create that ripple, and who knows how far this will go. But Which that plays into, I mean, even in a non, even... Aside from that, if you were just writing, um, I don't want to say regular books because we don't write like regular. Fiction and, yeah. yeah, if you were doing your normal writing, like I, that gets back to um, not being the best at promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't even promoted this book. No, which is I why I wanted whole, to do this. this I did morning. the whole course, and I'm like, I haven't even announced to anybody that I wrote the book that goes with the course. And normally, you and I do like. Um, release videos yeah. the night before when we get the book and we didn't even do that and it's not that we didn't want to it's just other things came up your event came up we so have we a just, child about ready to give birth <laughs> yeah we need to promote and that, that's that's things too is you as a potential or future author need to consider it's like how invested in this do i want to become mm-hmm. because you literally and this is also a downfall of us. You cannot just be weekend warriors. No. Nope. If this is something you want to do all of the time, even some of the time, you you have to sit down. Like my, my book that I came out on February 7th, um, no, Mount Hope. I said, I want this book done. I want it written. And I want it out before end of summer. Well, it's now written. I've reread it for phase two. Sadie has to edit it. I have to go back. But it's going to be out before end of summer. I made a deadline for myself. That is a goal. And, you know, stuff. whatever the wording is there, you have to set for yourself. If becoming an author, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Start writing on a list. Do the research. 
and those are all things that you would, you're going to talk about in future sessions is like being an author is not just sitting down and pen to paper or computer to you know nope. there are there you have to be methodical you have to plan it out you have to be you have to have other people it's not just a youth thing you can't just write something and push it out you have to have i strongly suggest a beta reader at least one um, it's not something we've ever had and no. we desperately need one we, we need a group and yeah we need to find our people that if by the grace of whomever god goddess whoever smiles upon us we'll, we'll be able to grow a little bit and maybe this is what sadie's doing has the potential to grow beyond mm -hmm. your wildest dreams i feel like we've been living inside of a box because well covid didn't help no that's very true but covid is what started my whole business that's true it was out of that pandemic and a world of hurting people that i realized hey people need help they're all suffering. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Even Mel Robbins, like I said, she is one of the people I look up to the most. She had a podcast on somebody being your North Star. And for me, she is my North Star as far as where I want to go with my business and stuff. But Can I be your South Star? That's personal, though. I'm talking um. on a business level. So, you know, I see her struggling. I see her share her stories. And... She is more real than anybody else I know. She's, you know, she didn't even know she had ADHD or she knew, she knew she was dyslexic, but I can relate to a lot of the things she says on there. Lewis Howes on his podcast had a speech impediment, um, still managed to push through that. That's my biggest fear when I go to speak or even on this podcast. I never well, used to enjoy doing this because... One of your things that you were worried about, you had meningitis mm -hmm. about I lost the ability 26 to years speak. ago. And put words together and sentences together. You, one of your breakdown points last week was that. Mm -hmm. Even in the practice session, you were I'm having... I'm just a, talking to my husband. I'm not even in front of people. You, and I go to read sentences and I'm like, oh, the, the, the dog came. So, one of the things, and this is where having a partner comes into play. I wrapped my arms around her, around you. And I comforted you. I consoled you. And I looked at her in the eyes and said, you can do this you are not the worst version of you you are better than anything that's ever happened to you you're going to get this tomorrow and you're going to do it and so my perspective we get to the event at the library we get set up i get kicked out i go to the other side <laughs> of the library that sounds way worse than it actually is but i actually looking hindsight probably was better honestly for both of us that i did it but so I'm sitting at the library and I'm watching the time too. I was like, okay, an hour, half hour, sweet. She's she, she, she should be this far, an hour. She's probably kicking butt by now, hour and a half. And then I look at the clock and it's like, holy nuts, it's like 8.30 and I haven't heard it. So I'm getting kind of restless. My backside's getting tired. I get a text that says, you can come in now. And I'm like, whoo, I start sweating a little bit too. It's like, all right, I get to find out how things went. And I walk in, and there's basically three or four uh, ladies surrounding uh, Sadie, and I just look at her like, I'm trying to read her like I always do, like, how to go. You know, I'm dipping and weaving, trying to get a facial read, and she basically was, the she had the look of a teacher. She was calm, cool, collected. She was answering questions almost, you know, and I was like, she did it. She freaking did it. 
and I didn't doubt her, but I wasn't sure if she was going to be a holy hot mess afterwards, but I knew that she was probably going to be able to pull this off and kick it, kill it, not kick it, but you, you did do it, and you know what, like I said before, it said you got other things coming down the road now, yep. like ripples, they will be coming yep. to you. And I also, well, you helped me with the name too, but... I always envision taking each of these chapters that I wrote and making them into different kinds of videos on YouTube right. or blog posts or guides, kind of like Adam and Catherine do from A Plus K. Mm -hmm. They're YouTube bloggers, friends of ours that we follow every step of. <laughs> we kind of emulate how we'd like to be as vloggers also, but um, they come up with, like they travel somewhere and then they come up with guides on how to do things, what to avoid, their favorite things, things like that. I see writing, um, instructional things typed up also. Yep. Maybe even as blog posts. I, I think, don't know. But I, I think also, if you do your YouTube channel, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, but I can also see it in writing for people who don't get on. Like the ladies that I talked to at the workshop, they would probably not get on YouTube and watch a step-by-step -step video. They might. But I think if I type something out, they were more excited about the handouts that I handed them. And all I printed out was the technology resources. They're like, you have handouts too? I love it. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd have had handouts for the whole thing. That would have been kind of cool for each chapter. But anyway, so the YouTube channel is In Pursuit of Purpose with Sadie K. Frazier. But underneath that, we're trying to figure out how to add a secondary channel or a separate channel. We're not sure how we're going to do that part yet. But it will be under In Pursuit of Purpose. But it's called The Purposeful Writer. And it will be more of an academy of like teaching lessons. Mm -hmm. So how to step-by-step how-to guides and videos, tutorials on each step of the writing process. And this is so weird because the other night after, was it after I gave the talk? I literally woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with the, with the word layers. Layer your book. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, was like, I remember that. okay. Because you had main character and then... So then I got up the next morning and I was like, okay, what does that mean? Well, it was more about the main character at the time. Like you're layering a main character. So let's say you picture your main character. There's just a plain person. Actually, you could look at it as a stick figure at first if you want to. Skeleton. There's a stick person. Yeah, there you go. A stick person or a skeleton just standing before you. Now put skin on them. What color is their skin? What does their hair look like? Their eyes. Do they have any scars? Do they have a past? Do they have a story? Who's standing behind them? Who is on their, you know, in their tribe behind them? Who's fighting against them in front of them? Then start building behind that. Build the city that they live in. Build their life and their memories and things like that. What's the other word for that? World building. Yep. Yeah, that's the whole process of world building, which I talk about in my book too. Things I wrote, things I wish I knew before I wrote the book. There's a whole thing mm -hmm. on character and world building. You know, and you can actually look back where I learned from you, um, fantasy name generator. Oh. I've I've had to turn to that a few times for um, Scottish names yeah. and just stuff like that. That's like I I couldn't possibly pull f from my hat. That, I use that uh, for everything. Well, it doesn't even have to be fantasy. Yeah, no, it can be anything really. Yeah. Store names. Yeah. World names, creature names, alien names. But there's they've added real names in there. Yeah. If you want just, you know, Joe Smith, there's real names on there and you can pick their nationality and or you their just heritage. Just keep pushing next if you don't like it. Next if you don't like it. Next. Yep. It's pretty cool. 
But anyway, then I began to see, after I thought about the character and the layers thing, yes, it was just yesterday that I thought of that. I excuse me. I started thinking more things about like writing this course. I wrote the book first, then I wrote the course. Then if I do YouTube, that what is that too? That's layering mm -hmm. of the whole thing. So think about the whole writing process as layers too. You start as this person with a pen and a piece of paper thinking, what do I want to do with this? Did I think when I wrote that very first short story and submitted it to our publisher that it was going to turn into this in my life? No. There was always that hope, I think, that I would help other people, but I didn't know it was going to be in this form. No. And I, you know, I thought growing up too, um, so I got held back in second grade because my reading level was so far underneath where I should be. Like, I couldn't even count to 100 to, or... I, I could, but I couldn't write it out. I couldn't read it. Yeah. So when I got held back in second grade, I learned how to properly read. It just, things started clicking. And so when I got to junior high, all of a sudden it's like, I walked into the library and it's like a whole world opened up to yep. me. And then I'm like, God, I wish I could be an author when I grow up. Mm -hmm. well, I'm grown up and I am an author. It's I love it. I, I could probably do it more often than what I do minus working the 11 plus hours a day that I do work yeah I mean but, if we didn't have regular jobs we would love nothing more oh yeah, than to if, do this to travel if we could make what we make now but being an author podcaster yeah exploratory videographer yep. I would love to do this for a living I, I would do it in a heartbeat yeah but and like I said before too yeah traveling um, like I said before too you're never never too old and it's never too late to write your story no matter no. what that story is whether it's a story of trauma and recovery um, it's just it's never ever ever too late and there's always a good place to start and that's that's with just believing that you can there's so many resources no. and like I said I don't we don't really have time on the podcast to get all into all of it but if you want to pick up a copy of my book things I wish I knew before I wrote the book it's step by step you know there's how to find your voice through writing, cultivating your voice, doubting your voice, um, shifting the narrative of self-doubt and overcoming self-doubt as a writer. And then, so you want to write a book? Now what? <laughs> then what do you do? Now you believe you can, but what do you do with it? And it's I talk about the planning stages of creating an inspirational writing space, locations conducive to writing, creating a writing routine that works for you. Where do I search for inspiration to write the book? Technology. That's a big one. I, I give a, a whole handout in my workshops of all of the technology you'll need to get started in writing your novel. Then I move on to drafting a daydream and why daydreaming is crucial to creativity. Discovering your purpose for writing and discovering what your why is. I get in a little bit about writing a memoir and trauma recovery and writing your storyline through somatic writing, but not as much as I will in volume three. I talk about fiction, creative fiction, and nonfiction. Which path is right for you? Nonfiction topics to tease out the story within. The art of storytelling through writing fiction. Writing the greatest story of your life through your magnum opus. Pen name versus real name. Sticky note parties. That's one of my favorite Use things to do. Use that myself for yep. podcasting. Outlines versus no outlines. Um, how research is integral in writing, well anything really but fiction especially oh yeah it's a like blast first kindred souls book oh yeah Have half fate will travel that was a blast especially half fate will travel 
creating your character profile or birthing your baby, the wonder of world building, dialogue versus points of view, scene breaks, section breaks, uh, crushing writer's block, igniting your imagination and setting your storyline on fire. There's a sensual journey your readers will never forget. And then we talk about the beginning and the end, just like the um, my workshop where I do the first lines and the last lines. Lee Child and what you were talking about earlier, he said literally your first line of your book will make or break whether they ever pick up another book of yours again. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole lot of pressure when I first heard oh, that. No. I was like, oh, we got to go back and change a few things. You, you could think something's good enough. It's like, no, that's good. I, I like where it's at. And then you yeah. get a whole different perspective. And you're like, okay, well, I didn't think about that. Let's start over again. Yeah. You have to. You can't. You should never, the first go around, never accept what you just did. Look at it. That's why every time I write, the next time I write, I go back and reread what I wrote because chances are I've a, either fallen asleep half a dozen times because I just get uh, that relaxed uh. or I correct grammar or which I'm not great at or no punctuation yeah. or grammar or just st straight out opening line in the paragraph. Like, nope, that's not how I could do that. It could be this way. True. How, what forest are you painting for your reader? You know, and the main objective is to leave them satiated by the end of that story and want more. Some people will say, don't give them all of it. Leave it on a cliffhanger. I mean, tie it all up nicely in a neat little package, but leave them just enough of a teaser at the end in case you want to write more in a series or something. Yep. And leave them. Can't wait till your next book I didn't out. think Kindred Souls was going to three books. Yep. And then I was done, and then a year or so later, I'm like, uh, well, backwards... I was like, oh, sweet, I've got three, I'm done. And then a year later, I'm thinking, I started to hear this little whisper. It's like, you should do a fourth book. I'm like, shut the hell up. That's true. I don't want it. You know, you just, you can't completely close out the fact that you are ever done with anything. There could be continuation. And in my Kindred Soul series, it's a generational. You know, in the th true. second or third book, my main characters ended up having kids. Well, then in my third book, actually, no, my fourth book I'm working on, it's 10 to 13 years later. They're early teens. So it's never rule out being completely done because it, that kind of gets back to world building and character development. Some stories are good with one and done. Some stories are, it really gets back to the, the, the readers like, oh, I could read that forever. Okay, well, how, how do I do that? How do I continue writing books that chronicleize? You think about the Indiana Jones movies. It started out with him being a young Indiana. Now the newest movie coming out, he's an old man, and it's the last adventure of his life. True. That's how you write a book. Yeah, write it as if at any moment that could be the last adventure of That's your right. life. Yeah, I know. You're sticking your. <laughs> what do you do that for? Well, it could be though. That's I mean, the, that's the reality. Life is just too short to waste. Yeah. So. Get up on it. That's right. All right, Sadie. What else we got? It's probably it as far as mine. I mean. I promised Sadie this wouldn't be a long podcast, and here we are creeping up on an hour. Yeah. You're such a talker. I know, right? <laughs> so, what we got going on is Sadie's brand new book out on Amazon things I wish I knew before I wrote the book I am proud to say as her husband and co-author in life 
This is book one of many. Yep. She has a writing course. She has a YouTube thing coming down. All of which are going to take time. I also have some inklings of, you know, I mean, it's so hard because I have all this stuff I want to do for the business end of things. That sounded really bad, but <laughs> through the business end of things and pursuit of purpose. But at the <laughs> same time, I want to write my own stuff. I've got some little sparks of, um, like the cusp of magic oh, when I wrote recent. that. That's the I started <laughs> the what are the zodiac luminaries of Raven Oak? It's a whole twelve part zodiac series, mm -hmm. and I haven't written it for like four or five years, and now I've got inklings of two separate ones that I want to write. I'm like a quarter of the way, a third of the way done with uh, Saving Grace, which is the follow-up to Love Sam. I Travelstead needs some serious love too. I mean... Well, you know what's funny about all those that you're mentioning is that you and I both have crossed over onto each other's... Hey, does so-and-so have this or that? Or I even borrowed one of your characters in a book I'm, I yep. started years ago. Yep. It's like, hey, can I borrow Travelstead? We also want to work on Half Fate Will Travel too, and we've got uh, Curiosity Chronicles, which is a fan... Zobble and Schlag. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a fantastical realm fun. That would be a blast to write. Yep. We just need, like... Time. A whole year off. Nobody to bother us. You said a month or before. At least like a month would be nice. Not too long ago, and I'm like, no. How about a year or two? A, a month would solidify us in writing, but then it's like, okay, no. I'm ready to do more. Yeah. How about just winning the lottery so we can retire you gotta now? got to play, though. <laughs> yeah. We just need to retire now. The universe needs to say, here you go. This is what you're meant to do. You Let me prove it to you. Keep going. <laughs> so, what uh, are you so, working on? Um, I had a new book out February 7th called The Sight of Love, and I switched immediately gears to working on Mount Hope that I started over a year ago. Um, it is kind of a western themed romance sort of. Um, like I said a, a little bit ago I'm done with the rough draft. I'm on second phase. Actually I just finished that. I had to wait until you were done with your thing right now for you to edit it. So I could potentially have Mount Hope out. Covers done mm -hmm. as far as I know unless I change Herb's it. Done. Herb's done. Is it done? Yeah, it is done. Mm -hmm. So really it's just uh, you editing it and then throwing it all together. And then never ever before, almost sound like the game, never ever have I, <laughs> never ever have I released more than one book in a year. And actually before The Sight of Love, it was two or years prior, um, Half Fate Will Travel. So sure. that's one of those things as being an author, life just kept kicks you in the nuts sometimes it gets you down and or it pulls you away or in my case i have a google drive full of book manuscripts that constantly begging for attention and i'm like okay you're next but that doesn't really help any one particular book get done if you're spreading yourself so True. thin find one this is the first time i've ever done it. i followed sadie's advice find a manuscript stick with it no matter how hard it is to fight off the other voices in your head you know, so. I agree. Uh, beyond Mount Hope, I've got a lot of other manuscripts. I kind of almost want to go back and finish the old ones that I started. Mm -hmm. I've got one that I started at the apartments from 12 years ago yep. that I wasn't even an author then. I was just uh, not even a hobbyist. True. Um, what you got? Lots, huh? Lots. I don't know what I'm going to work on. Don't forget about my novel that just came out too, Fragments of Hope. Fragments of Hope. I, have, I feel like 
she was overshadowed by this whole workshop because I jumped yeah. straight from the frying pan into the fire. And I, so. I will tell you, I, we, we read each other's books after they're done, and I, I got to tell you, I cried. In fragments. In fragments, I cried. There, you and I didn't talk a whole lot about each other's books then, so we really didn't. I really didn't know what was coming up, and there was a couple potential. Um, love interests that I'm like, ooh, I could see that, ooh, and then it ended up being the other one. Like, you put her with that one, him? I was like, yeah. I kind of had a feeling, but I was like, no, I can't rule out the other guy. And then it happened. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, lots to do, lots going on. Summer's slipping away. It'll be into my favorite time of year. In the fall. It could be fall all year long, and I'd be happy. Can we just move? Somewhere that has that. Right. I want to live it all year fall. Spring and fall together. Let's but omit summer and winter With a altogether. smattering of thunderstorms. Wow. Electrical energy. I can think of a certain state that might incorporate all of that. Me too. Just a few less Wait, wildfires. Which one? Well, there's a combination. One Oregon starts with an O and one starts with a W. Let, let's just say P and W all together. Okay. Pacific Northwest. Yes. From Northern California on up. Yeah. Let's just play with that whole coast on up into Canada. Into Canada, got it. Okay. Well, Sadie, this has been a fun adventure. I'm sorry that we did run over. Sorry. Right. Uh, I know when I asked you if you want to do it, you kind of looked at me like, you what? My brain literally, you as soon as I yet. finished the workshop, stopped. Like, I have been writing and rewriting. There was nights I stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning and then got up and, you know, got up at 6-something and went to work. And because I was working on corrections and reformatting and stuff and, and that, it's just like that's just one of those things that comes with the territory yeah. how bad do you want this out and done correctly yep that's what it was that you it's it's a sacrificial lamb but you after are the it's lamb. done I felt like as soon as I got done with that workshop my brain went um okay you're done for a little bit and then yep. when you wanted to do a podcast and talk about it all over again I was, you, my brain was like what you looked at me all crazy <laughs> I like you'd come out of the desert like uh, I but for two why okay we're gonna get I more coffee to, let's go i have to form words again what i have to speak intelligently yeah well sadie thank you for co-authoring this podcast this has been another have coffee will travel but special fourth of july edition even though it's july 3rd yeah uh, my apologies to what few listeners i have and me um thank you for following along and I hope you understand why our absences sometimes are required for yep, life. other things. Not that we can't get on here and say a few words, but we needed to take a step back and, and tie up some loose ends with the workshop and our current projects before we could put ourselves back mm -hmm. into podcasting. So Sadie's got two new books out, remember. Yep. Um, Fragments of Hope and Things I Wish I Knew Before I Wrote the Book. I have one out currently. Uh, the Sight of Love, and then soon, within the next month or less, Mount Hope. Awesome. And our podcast, go back and listen to all of our old podcasts. Chat us on Twitter, Facebook, email us. Either way, thanks for joining in. And remember, write your story, change your life. Share your story, change the world. This has been another episode of The Crafted Quill. And The Daily Escape. Thanks for listening. See you on the flip side. Peace out.